Welcome to episode 27 of the Stories of Gumption podcast, conversations with entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and just really, really impressive people. Today's episode is sponsored by Sparkle Clean. They provide professional and economic cleaning solutions to residential and commercial structures. They provide uh, a specialty in window cleaning, floor care, carpet extraction, and auto or boat detailing. Give them a call for a free estimate at 518-578-2931. That's 518-578-2931. Or you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, at SparkleClean, spelled S-P-A-R-K-I-L-K-L-E-E-N. And I believe on most of their social media they have taken out the dashes, but that's S-P-A-R-K-I-L-K-L-E-E-N. K-L-E-E-N. That's Zach and Kate Hoyt, everybody. Great people, uh, fellow Rotarians, uh, very service-oriented in the greater uh, Champlain Valley region, and uh, they do a great job with their business. We are also sponsored by Alexander Edwards & Company, CPAs PC. Alexander Edwards & Company has been providing common-sense solutions to many North Country businesses, real-life accounting, and tax problems since 1920. Yeah, 1920. Exactly. They've been doing this for a little while. They say, bring us your problems, we provide solutions. They're a full-service public accounting firm engaged in tax preparations, bookkeeping, audits, estate planning, financial planning, and management consultation that's alexander edwards and company cpas pc check them out they have a website you can give them a call also at 518-563-1600 that's 518-563-1600 they're located at 47 dock street in plattsburgh here we are episode 27 man this one is a good one for many many reasons that i can't even explain to you in this intro but uh, I think what's most uh, impressive about this episode is just the fact that uh, these two guests uh, just persevered through so much, and they've come out of this whole story that they're about to share with you uh, just on top, in my opinion, as an outsider looking in. Uh, this is Zach and Kate Hoyt. They're the owners of Sparkle Clean. And they share the story of wanting to be parents, uh, getting that moment of, wow, we're going to be parents, and then learning that uh, there were going to be some issues uh, in the development of their child's uh, back, and uh, they had a child with um, spina bifida. And so this has been a really amazing story for them to share, and uh, I'm really glad that they came to the podcast to share it. Uh, there's a lot of learning lessons from it. Certainly has plenty of gumption, so I hope you enjoy it. This is Zach and Kate Hoyt from Sparkle Clean and their story of gumption. Gumption, defined as initiative, aggressiveness, resourcefulness, courage, spunk, guts, common sense, Shrewdness. Welcome to the podcast. This is Stories of Gumption with your host, Ryan Lee. Today, my guests, that's right, I have two guests this time. 
It goes a little bit away from my normal trend where I have one guest, uh, and it actually has put an interesting uh, uh, challenge on us for for mics, but bear with us if you're listening, because the Stories of Gumption podcast has two mics, and we're making it work with three people. So stay with us. Uh, So far, so good, and uh, hope you enjoy today's episode. So I am with the amazing Zach and Kate Hoyt, two very close friends of mine of, of recent, uh, but super glad to have met them and become friends with them. They are the owners of Sparkle Clean, which we'll talk about a little bit. They are fellow Rotarians. Got you suckered in. I'm proud mm-hmm. of that. Uh, they're also on the board of ADKYP, the Adirondack Young Professionals, an organization I uh, have a very soft spot for. They do a lot of good work. So they're both board members there. And uh, I think it goes with the theme of today's conversation, but they are the fantastic parents of Macy Hoyt. So, welcome to the podcast, Zach and Kate. Hello. Thanks for having us. (laughs) It's great to have you guys. Uh, So, I was uh, reflecting prior to this podcast of how we first met, and I think you probably remember it better than I do because I was just like cloud spin of like I didn't know what was going on I was trying to manage I think an ADKYP event uh, when I was a president or at least try and be like on top of things so we put on a good first impression and I feel like I met you both at an ADKYP event we did yeah what what one was that I don't even remember we were at Valcor for the networking the speed networking that you did not want to attend <laughs> That's right. <laughs> speed networking. Very happy I did now, though. Yeah, that's a good one. Speed networking. You know, like speed dating, but you meet a bunch of different professionals all in rapid fire. I remember that. Yeah. So we met there, but I, I didn't blow you off, did I? Because I, I was trying not to, but I feel like you guys were new to the whole ADKYP thing. And I got you to meet you. Focused. very focus well that's a very nice thing for you to say kate (laughs) but then we i feel like we really connected at a subsequent event maybe a couple later uh twisted carrot is that what it was yeah it was twisted carrot great restaurant in town by the way it is we touched base at pb co when you raffled the chair yes and then the follow-up event ended up being at the twisted carrot and that's when we really connected i think yeah Yes, that's what it was. So it was at that point in time, I remember uh, you said service above self. This is where it's all coming together for me. And I said, have you ever heard of Rotary? Yeah, and I said no. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you listening, the the fun inside joke here is that uh, at the time, they were getting involved in the community. They were getting excited about ADKYP and the young professionals and all that. But I got them suckered into being Rotarians. Just recently, got your blue badge. We did. Why don't you tell people what that's all about? So, uh, yeah, I mean, going red to blue, it's, uh, it's a couple steps, but it helps you more uh, understand the organization, yeah. attend a board meeting, um, and outside of your club, Rotary meeting. Uh, we attended the social club meeting in Lake Placid at the Crown Plaza. Yep. And then you have to join two committees, one fundraising and uh, 
we also join the uh, civic community as well. You're missing the biggest thing. The worst part about going from red to blue. I'm looking at you, Kate. And I missed it. <laughs> I missed it. I wasn't even there. But you're not referring to the new member orientation, are you? Um. Well, actually, I, that might be. Yeah, that, I'm missing that too. But <laughs> new member talk. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. You got to get up in front of a group of well, our club's a hundred plus strong, like business, exp- a lot of like well established business people. And to go from your red, to, like your introductory red badge, to the blue, like I made it, I'm permanent, I'm, I'm here, I'm here, I'm committed to Rotary, badge. You got to get up and talk about yourself in front of everybody. Yeah, especially when they're usually of good quality speaking. Yeah. You know, cl- you know, you're sitting in a in a classroom full of people that are actually good at public speaking, not just yeah done it once in their life, so. I wanted, little, little intimidating. I wanted to be there for you, Katie, but I, I missed it. I heard it went very, very well. It's okay. I had Matt and Meg right there in the front. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to have you both as Rotarians. You both definitely live up to the Rotarian values of service above self. And I think that's going to come out in today's uh, theme to this podcast. But we're talking... For all the listeners, we were talking about what the theme of today's conversation was going to be, and and we talked about a lot of great things, but um, really, the story of gumption that these two have to share is incredible to me. It's totally incredible. There's We could probably talk for three hours about it, but uh, I'm going to start by asking each of you to tell me what gumption means to you. Zach, you go first. My definition of gumption, I actually had to Google that. A lot of people do. But uh, I would say, uh, you know, grit, um, ability to keep moving forward when, when times get tough. Mm. You know, I did, uh, you know, of course, I, I over-research everything. So in the 1940s, during, uh, you know, the World Wars, it was of great use and circled back around in 2010 and almost peaked again. So, you know times when perseverance is in need, I think the, the word gets used a lot more. Hmm. It's good for the podcast, I suppose, to re, reinvigor the community with the word gumption. It's a good word. Yeah. What about you, Kate? What, what's gumption mean to you? Well, I'm not 100% sure, but um, I would say just having the guts to do something and overcoming things. I like that. Honestly, some of the the best definitions I've heard of gumption. I mean, it means something different to everybody, I think, but that's why I love the word. But uh, just having the guts, yeah, I, that that resonates with me. So part of this story, and I think your story of gumption, is uh, tied into another way you and I knew each other before we knew each other. Yeah, Katie, do you want to tell everybody <laughs> how you actually knew me, but not really before? Like, what was the connection? Um, it well, blew my mind when I learned <laughs> this. At uh, 19 weeks, um, uh, when I was pregnant, Zach and I found out that our daughter, Macy, was going to be born with spina bifida. Um, and it was, you know, a long road up to delivery and back and forth to Boston and trips and lots of appointments. And then after we had Macy, um, she was born in Boston and 
we she was supposed to have surgery spinal um, correction surgery right after birth but her defect was fully covered so um, she had a good skin quality and they decided to let her go home for five months and grow and let her little nerves um, you know get a little bit stronger and more uh, bigger than what they were you know as an infant and um, we ended up having some home services for Macy and we had this amazing nurse come and help us and it we later after we met Ryan we were like hey I saw a picture of your mom is this your mom (laughs) it was Facebook that did it it was like a family photo that you had shared yeah and we were both like I think I know her and then Katie's like let me see that and you're like I think that's Ryan's mom like that was Macy's nurse. <laughs> yes. Like the patient coordinator, I believe. Yeah. Is and I don't know if that's her title officially, but I'm pretty sure that's what she specializes in. So she came to our house um, for a while, once a week, and after Macy was born, and we checked her weight, and um, I was nursing Macy, and so she, you know, helped me with that and helped us get supplies that we needed and. She always talked about her two sons. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> but little God. did we know that you were one of them. That's wild. That's wild. She did a lot of coordination. Um, she keeps everything moving. That's got to be a stressful time too. I know my mom. Uh, after the fact, I, I reached out to her because uh, my mom's so professional about her job, right? And like, I was like, "Hey, mom, do I? I happen to know um, these two people, uh, Zach and." Katie Hoyt, um, do you, do you know them? And she's like, we were texting and she's like, yes, <laughs> like nothing else. I'm like, oh, uh, well, uh, they, they're pretty nice people. Like you, you, uh, you had a good time, you know them well or, and she was like, not giving me anything. And I was like, mom, I am not interrogating for information. Like I just want to, I just became friends with these people and they had great things to say about you. And she's like, oh, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, keep everything <laughs> confidential for my job. But like, oh, you're just friends. Yeah, that's great. They're fantastic. They got a beautiful daughter, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like this this connection. And this it's amazing. The degrees of separation in this region are incredible. But it was very, it was a very cool moment for me to see my mom light up about two people that have become pretty close friends of mine, you know, and like. We didn't know each other at no, the time. No, small world. Yeah. And what, I mean, what are the chances of bumping into her two sons and the yeah. area we live? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Small world. Oh, man. So I want, I want you guys to walk me through the whole process. Like you are excited. You're going to have a, a kid. You're pregnant. You're like, oh, yes, we got it. And then like – from the moment you learned uh there might be some challenges like walk that whole like when you learned and how it went and how you mustered up the gumption to persevere i suppose how many weeks was it kate 19 we it was our anatomy check and gender reveal yeah so at 19 weeks um we found the neural tube defect and uh we were forwarded to um, 
the MFM um, in Burlington, Vermont, for uh, updated imaging, mm-hmm. uh, 3D imaging, and they wanted to see what kind of skin quality we had. Uh, and when you say skin quality, you've said that a couple times, but you just mean like coverage of the exposed of the so yeah. a lot defect. Of times, yeah. Hers was in the S2. So it's on the uh, sacral region of the spine. Yep. Um, the just lowest a, Just above section. the tailbone. Yep. And um, which is a good thing because the lower you are, the less that's affected mm-hmm. typically. And they wanted to see the quality of skin because they didn't know what they would potentially be dealing with post-delivery. In a lot of cases, the defect is open. And yeah. It has no it's skin o- coverage. It's open and exposed. Yes. In Macy's case, it was fully covered. And had good skin quality. Fully covered. Sometimes you can see through it. Like it's literally very. So they knew this at, or or they were able. The doctors were able to communicate this to you at 19 weeks. Like you knew. Um. At 19 weeks, we were told that they thought that Macy had spina bifida. Mm. We truly did not get an actual diagnosis until 32 weeks is when we were told that, yes, this is definitely spina bifida and this is how we need to move forward. How serious is that? I mean, like, at that point in time, like, like, are they giving you, like, a pamphlet and they're saying, like, these are, these are, like, the serious options you need to start thinking about? Or, like, what, like, it seems serious to me, but at that point in time, like, what is, what is that? Um, It just hits you, like. At 19 weeks, we were asked, um, if we wanted to terminate the pregnancy, um, which was not even a question in Zach and I's mind. Yeah. Um, so we did our own research. They don't really, at that point, they didn't really give us much information. Um, they just kind of said, this is what it could be and kind of, you know, moved forward. Um, we went to Burlington the next day after them telling us, uh, the possibility and we just met with a great doctor there they did the 3d imaging um they talked to us a little bit you know about uh being a candidate for fetal surgery um mm. at that point we didn't know anything about macy's defect or the quality of it or that it was skin covered so um it was still a possibility that we could have done the fetal surgery and then we had a couple more appointments. We did an MRI, um, and that's when they were able to tell that she had good skin quality, and we were not candidates for the fetal surgery. Hmm. So, that was the first MRI yep. in in Vermont. The, the first, first, yes. But yeah, and then after that, that's when they did the 3D ultrasounds yep. regularly. At this point in time, what are you guys doing career wise? I was a dental assistant. Um, the head dental assistant at Plattsburgh Pediatric, or Plattsburgh Pediatric Dentistry. Yeah, you were the lead. Yeah. Yep. Lead technician. After and before that, you were what? Um, High Peaks Dental. Yeah. Yep. I worked at High Peaks Dental for a while and had left there the day I found out I was pregnant for Macy. Wow. <laughs> yep. And that day I'm out. Peace. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And went to the pediatric dentistry here in Plattsburgh, and I worked there um, throughout my pregnancy. And um, that's where I was until they 
took me out and I went on maternity leave. Mm. What about you, Zach? Um, let's see here. Um, I was actually, I was a, I was a probationary correction officer at FCA Raybrook. Um, let me see here. I started in 2010, so I was just, I was still a correction officer at that time. I hadn't made the transition out to the warehouse yet, right? Or was I? You were in the warehouse. I was in the warehouse. So I was a correction officer for three years, and then I, uh, I took a appointed position you have to apply for. It's essentially, it's you're still a correction officer. Um, mm -hmm. I was on the disturbance control team and also ran a food service warehouse. So all the food that was procured for the correctional institution, we would receive it and move it up to the kitchen in cycles. Mm. That was pretty much my job. Interesting. Okay. So you're, you're, you're going through all of this. You got those careers lined up. They're going well, I assume. Mm-hmm. And what happens next? Like, how'd the thing keep progressing? I imagine your stress level, your your cortisol level is starting to rise a little bit from the nerves of, oh, like, yeah. what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. It was definitely nerve-wracking. Um, I think for me, it was the unknown. Mm. Um, That's worse than knowing. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, definitely. First, I the agree. knowing, the finding out. That um, I took very hard. It was... I was carrying this tiny little child that I was supposed to keep safe and she had this defect that there was nothing I could do. Mm. Um, so that weighed really hard on me. I kind of felt like it was maybe my fault or something that I didn't do right. Um, so it took a while to overcome that. and yeah. But then it was either... I had two decisions. I could mellow in my sorrow and be upset and cry every day over the situation or I could just arise above it and know like all I can do is make the best out of this and I have to be positive for my child and not, you know, let it beat me up or it's going to beat her up. Mm. So it took, a, it took me a little while to be okay with it. But I can't even imagine. I think it. I think it took us both a little while. Mm -hmm. That's that's gumption. It was a lot of weight at the time, mm. but like um, like she said, they didn't give us the actual diagnosis until like thirty two weeks. So we were dealing with a neural tube defect, but we didn't know what we were technically facing right. until the end. We had an idea. Mm -hmm. Like the term had been tossed around a couple times, but they wouldn't give us a definitive. This is what you're dealing with. Yeah, they were dealing with. Uh, come on down for an MRI because they didn't want Vermont's MRI in Boston. And uh, that's where we wanted to have the surgical correction done because of the support network. Mm. So that we had to go down there for how many MRIs? She's now claustrophobic, by the way. That wasn't a thing beforehand. Really? Yeah. No. She can't. She has to be sedated for MRIs now. Wow. Not that she wanted the whole public to know that, but she, <laughs> serves, she spent enough time in the tube that it, it didn't bother her. I would go in and, I believe and get in the gown and sit next to her and hold her hand if, when they'd let me. I believe it. But yeah. uh, she spent a lot of time and to do a fetal. They'll do like what is that that they that they put on you? It's like a it's almost like a weight mm -hmm. over your. Oh, so like the claustrophobia is already building because you got this weight. It's like a cloth yeah. on you. It's yeah. It, yeah, it to, to protect from yeah. Yep, absolutely. And then interesting. Macy had to be the human still. body looks very interesting. It, it is, yeah, to see, like, the 
um, to see Macy through the MRI. It was it's pretty cool. We have a lot of imagery that a lot of people don't get to have. We, we have do. wow. We have a 3D MRI or I'm sorry, 3D sonogram. We have all of the ultrasounds of the um, MRIs and MRIs. I'll have mm-hmm. three. Wow. Forms of imaging. Prior, we almost knew what she looked like before we had. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was it was pretty neat, but um, definitely it was definitely a long road, but it was well worth it. So, I I don't want to skip anything that might be important, but. I'm assuming we can jump to due date now, or she's she's about to be born, or um, was there anything else that happened, like no, that leading up to it that was basically it? Just a lot of appointments back and yeah. forth to Boston, a lot of MRIs, um, just planning, you know, the birth and um, what was to come after she was born. Um, I was actually scheduled at 39 weeks in Boston to have a C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, I was being seen here by Dr. Menser, um, three times a week. They uh, were monitoring uh, me. You say here, CVPH? Yep. In Plattsburgh? Yep. Okay. Um, the office is now closed. She runs her own office now, but, yep. um, I was being seen there three times a week and I was scheduled for one morning for an appointment and that was I, because of your contractions, right? Well, it was on the monitor before we, yeah, um, and I told Zach that morning, I'm like, something just doesn't feel right. I'm like, hey, there's something going on. And on the way to the hospital, I'm like, I really wouldn't be surprised if we end up going to Boston today. And he's like, what? And I was 30, I had, it was, I had turned 37 weeks that day. And he's like, no, we've got two more weeks before the C-section. And I was like, no, it's just something is different. Um, so they, <laughs> it, yeah. I'm looking at you two look at each other back and forth. I'm like, something this was seems different. like it was a little nerve wracking. It was. Um, so we got there and we went through the, you know, same routine as we did the two days prior and they hooked me up to the monitor and the nurse came in and she looked at me and she's like, are you feeling okay? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, honey, you're having really strong contractions right now. And I was like, I thought I was, but I never done this before. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to expect or what you I was feeling. You tell me what it feels like. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so she told me, she's like, we're going to do an exam. We'll check everything out. And sure enough, um, Dr. Menster came in and did her exam and she left the room. And I told Zach, I'm like, um, I think we need her to come back in. <laughs> So he went and got her and she came back in and um, I told her, I'm like, there's just something not right. I think something happened. And she checked me again. She's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Your um, your water is broke and looked at Zach. She's like, you guys are heading to Boston right now. So so to back that up, uh, just, just <laughs> <laughs> what when she turned and said to me, you're going to Boston now. So throughout this process, we were told not to stop ever if anything happened until we hit Dartmouth. And the reason for that isn't because Vermont isn't capable. Um, her brother actually works for FACT, or mm. the, the old FACT, which is now what? It says a different abbreviation, but mm-hmm. it's, sure. a roll, it's a rolling ER. Mm-hmm. And um, they can get you there, but it's a process to get everything going. Okay. If I could make it to Dartmouth, they can get me a delivery team from Boston to Dartmouth Hitchcock Hospital. 
Oh, wow. So if I could get to Dartmouth, the outcome of our daughter was better. Seems like that's a really, um, as someone who hasn't had a kid, uh, it seems like that's a really interesting dynamic of like the whole planning a birth, um, like where you're going to have the birth, but also like recognizing like the expertise of the facility, but also the travel considerations and like... Mm -hmm. You guys went into this. You both went into this knowing that this could happen. Oh, like, absolutely. It we could be last back. minute, and we're, well, we're driving yeah. to Boston. Um, like I said, we had a, ski- a C-section <laughs> scheduled for twenty or 39 weeks. Yeah. Never would have thought Macy would have come on her own. <laughs> but mm. as Macy is here now and goes upon life, Macy does everything in her own time. <laughs> she does what she wants. Um. Just we always make a joke like it's Macy. It's going to be different. Yeah. Um. So definitely against the grain. Yeah, definitely against the grain. I wouldn't have ever imagined going to Boston in labor <laughs> like we did. I made, um, it, I made it pretty quick. He we did. But <laughs> I, if, if we could go back and change anything, I would have maybe gone down um, a couple weeks early. Okay. And yeah. stayed down there. Yep. Um, which that wasn't ever mentioned to us. It's not anything that ever crossed our minds. So thinking back, that's maybe something I would have done. Um, so what you're telling situation. me is this was the most comfortable trip to Boston you've ever taken in your life. It was the most uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I made it in like, it was, it was. Well, to make things worse. Um, I was in the hospital in under four hours. But what the stressful point was, as we kept getting closer, her, contra- her contractions were getting progressively stronger. And we came upon I, an didn't, accident. I didn't have a time to, like, I'm an emergency medical technician, but I wasn't comfortable with driving and delivering my own daughter in the vehicle in the potential situation we were facing. So it's like a little nerve wracking, like what, knowing when the time was to pull off to get to the hospital. So yeah. if I can't make it to Boston, and I go by Dartmouth. Yeah, I've got a gap there that I don't. Where wanna. are you going? Yeah, I've got a gap there where I'm like, hey, I'm not sure where where I should call this. My God. And then we were literally wow. like, 14 miles outside of the city, but that can take a long time in the city of Boston. And we had a car accident. We didn't have one. There was a car accident did. on yeah. the interstate. Of course she's. Yeah. And of course. Luckily, at the time, the traffic was stopped dead. I was. I was. You're through, kidding me. No, Stop we're bumper dead. to bumper. And oh my we, god! Now Boston was great with keeping in contact with us. They called me every thirty minutes to check on us to see how the contractions were to make sure I could still feel Macy moving. Yeah, they they knew you were they, coming. Yeah, That's good. they knew we were coming. They had things that they kept having us check for and do. Linda and Linda you know, would call um, us on the phone. And then she was like our we called her and we were like, we hit an accident. We're 14 miles from the hospital. These contractions are getting closer. They're getting harder. I don't know how long we're going to be here. So they were going to send a police escort for us. And as we were late waiting for the police to come, finally they cleared up the accident and we were able to, to move. Got through. So it was uh, yeah, I was definitely nerve wracking. I, I was not pulling over if somebody pulled up behind me lights and sirens on. No, that wasn't going to happen. And I don't really like being that way because I didn't really want to lose my job when I got back. But I wasn't pulling over at that point. I was kind of nervous. Oh, my God. All right, so you get there. We get there. 
You arrived. We did. The funniest thing. Uh, <laughs> her father is is our parents he's, he's were an with us even parent. The he has a lot process of for Macy right from the start of us finding out um my parents and Zach's parents attended every ultrasound. Almost every almost MRI, everyone. Um every appointment in Boston. They did go to every appointment. They in were right there by our sides. Wow. So That's a that's a good outcome. What about the times we went to Quincy Market? That was your first time. Yeah, I had a lot of firsts in Boston. <laughs> First child, yep. it sounds like, is yeah. coming. And they're born with an accent, I'll have you know. Oh, born with an accent. Macy has a Boston accent? She does. Jeez. She does. I'll have to talk to her about that someday. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to have to stop. So um, the poor guy in registration, I feel bad for him now. Her father, the, the, I remember this. We pull in the parking garage, and up parking is complicated. So yes. for anybody that hasn't been to Boston, in the Longwood Medical Area, it's right around the Children's Hospital yep. or Brigham and Women's. I'm familiar with that. When you when you pull in there, it's $38 a day to park your car. Didn't know that going into it. And, but there's a stamp system, so if you're at the hospital, they stamp you, and it's cheaper. Jeez. Her father puts her in a wheelchair and sprints across the road with, <laughs> with her in the wheelchair. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Still to this day, because I've never seen him do that I've with any of his image. children. Yeah. yeah, I've never met your father, but I've got an image of you in the wheelchair <laughs> and your dad pushing you across the road. It was entertaining. It was it was good to see. So, um, went had to go through the whole registration thing, which I didn't get. Like they knew you were coming. Yeah, they knew I was coming. I was. I in guess labor. they had to prove it was you, but I just had the signs a, were yeah pretty clear. <laughs> I just sat in a car for yeah. four hours. So I was um, not the politest to the registration guy, but I got up where I needed to be. And they, you know, did the whole thing again, like the exam and everything. And How many centimeters were you when um, we arrived? Do you remember? I don't remember. It's all a phase. Everything I think you were from... Like, if I remember right, I think you were like, like four or five. I probably, yeah. They, um... And it hooked me back up and basically did the same thing as the other nurse. They're like, oh, wow, you're having really strong contractions. And I was like, yep. You weren't the politest at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I can feel them. <laughs> you, can be, you can be truthful. Uh, um, and You're like, that's why I just drove four hours in the car. A couple F-bombs maybe. <laughs> um, I don't know if I went that far, but. Oh, okay. Um, they knew so, she was disgruntled yeah. Yeah. at the moment. They, yeah. um. And all I can remember all I wanted was a drink of water. And mm-hmm. they would not let me drink anything because obviously I was having a C-section at some point. And between the frustration of just the whole process and being in labor and the pain, my blood pressure skyrocketed. Hold on. You you get it, you forgot a part. So your, your blood pressure didn't skyrocket until after they told you that you were third in line for the emergency section that they had several emergent surgeries oh, yeah. that needed to take place before she could have her C-section. Jeez. Then her blood pressure... Went through the roof. Went, and I became top priority. Went to like 170-something ah, over 100. I see what you did there. <laughs> I see what you did. Well, if we need to make this more serious, I'll just like raise my blood pressure real quick. So I'm going to say within 15 minutes, I was in that back room, and we were getting ready to have Macy. Wow. They didn't really tell us. It was like kind of awkward. They didn't tell us that we became first in line. Like this nurse popped in and was like, how are you doing? And she saw her blood pressure and she walked out. 
She was gone for like five minutes. She comes back in with this white bag, but they'd already given her one. I'm like, well, what's this for? She goes, that's for your clothes. These are your scrubs. I'm like, oh, we're going? She's like, you're going. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I had to get changed to go into the C-section yep. with her. And yeah, that was a long day after that. Holy smokes. I was up for over 24 hours that day. It was... Because uh... our parents couldn't come on the floor with us. Ah. Even though they were there, I spent a lot of time in the elevator. So going happened back there. and forth. So I... C-section goes through, okay? Um, it did for the most part. Uh, Macy was stuck in under my hip bone, so they had to um cut me a little bit more. <laughs> made, they made a larger incision. Yeah, they did. Um, had and to make just, a larger a incision, of, uh... and then um to get Macy out. Mm. and I ended up losing a lot of blood, so they had to put me under for a little while. And they woke me up very quickly so I could see her before she went to the NICU. So I saw her for a total of probably 30 seconds. And no, we did a picture together. Remember the... Uh, yeah. That anesthesiologist was on point, by the way. Wow. I mean... So puts you under. Yep. I mean, right there. For the C-section. I'm right. I'm right. Brings you right back back for a couple (laughs) seconds, less than a minute, so you can see your child. Yep. And And then it's like, all right, go back, go back under, like, knock you back out again. Yeah. So she was awake. And then, like. That's wild. She was playing with their syringes. She had, like, three of them there. And, you know, she started going into uh, a little hydraulic shock, I think, because of the loss of blood. And they, you know put her in, in a feet up position to try to yep. increase, you know, her blood pressure again. Cause it was, you don't need your feet. Yeah. They just, they <laughs> added a little bit and then she's like, I think I'm a little sick to my stomach and this anesthesiologist had a, um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but it's a, uh, scarpalamine patch. I think okay. it is. You get them for cruises. Okay. And she yep. slid it right behind her ear. Like as soon as she mentioned it, that she was feeling a little sick, she was just on point. And then she took my mask off that I was wearing. Just to take a photo of us, yep, we did our and then put it back on, like she had done this before. It was wow. It was smooth, it was awesome. as smooth as it could be. So then, what happens? You 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 go back into, is for lack of a better word, hibernation temporarily, <laughs> right? And what happens to you, Zach? So the only thing she said to me before they put her back to sleep was, "Do not leave her." So off I went on. Do not leave who? What happened? Okay. They said to you, don't leave her. Katie, oh, Katie was awake. Katie said. Before they put me back Don't under. leave her. Don't leave her. That's okay. You've said, been, okay. You've been told. Yeah. It makes sense. So, yeah, don't. So now now I have, in, in the room, there wasn't only Katie's doctors. There was a pediatrician and uh, NICU team that was escorting me next door. So she, our daughter was technically born in the Brigham and Women's. And then transferred directly to Boston Children's Hospital uh, via footbridge like you see at Plattsburgh. Um, yeah, one of those uh, footbridges over the over the road. Exactly. different building. So, yeah, we go over to the different building and up a couple floors, and we're in the NICU, and they do an assessment, and I'm there for a while. You know, Katie's still, like, comatose in the bat last... She's, yeah. She's, she's in recovery in, mode. She's in recovery mode. And, and you're in the other building. In the other building, and I gave her her uh, pacifier, and... Uh, nurses were talking amongst themselves and the doctor comes over to me and kind of gives me like a you know initial uh, statement of what his observations were and that she was essentially 
perfectly healthy child at this point with a with a known defect that they had researched before we got there and the quality of skin didn't look like it was going to be an emergent surgery which i was geared up for delivery of my child immediate surgery same day or next day yeah you know stabilize do the correction and then we're going to be down there for like two weeks was what we originally thought and uh so now i'm going up and up and down the stairs checking on her and she's she's kind of sick because the uh Katie. Yeah, the anesthesia bothered her so. I couldn't come out of the anesthesia. It They gave her Dilaudid as made well. Me so sick. And, and oh, sick. yep. So then I was down talking to the grandparents because at at a certain <laughs> at a certain point the grandparents were allowed to come on the floor now. But they can't go to the NICU to see my my new daughter. So I'm sending photos to the parents which are down a couple floors below her and I'm telling her what's going on with the baby. Oh my god! And then finally, she you're gets running a room. between all three spots. I'm the messenger, the whole time, and trying to spend time with my newly born daughter, of course, because she can't get there yet because they won't let her. So then the next day, mo- next morning early, she gets a room, and then the parents can come up, but the daughter's still in the NICU, and then I can bring one parent at a time. So I'm still no sleep for me. I'm escorting everybody up one at a time to meet their granddaughter. Wow. And in pro- here I am still haven't met my daughter. Oh my god, how <laughs> long is this 30 been? Seconds. We brought you we brought you up on the way over though. Yep, after You you on saw her before the, the grandparents did. But uh yeah. And then we they came to us and asked us if they wanted to give what did, how do they word that for the lactation? Um she had to go through having her own MRI right after. So um Obviously, to get her to stay still, they didn't want to put her to sleep at such a young age. Mm-hmm. So they asked us if we wanted to do formula or some donated, donated breast milk. Then I guess that's how they keep the infant still. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. But then shortly after that MRI, she came onto our floor. Yep, she was able to come to our room and be... Is it five days we spent there? We were there for a total of seven days. Seven days for delivery, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, I spent a long time in a hospital bed. My God. Very much different than CVPH here. You're here for a day and a half and home. Wow. But we were traveling from Boston with a newborn and had it, you know. Yeah, we had a special car seat. Our daughter was yep. not allowed to sit in a normal car seat. She had to have a lay down uh, for bed. For six months. Like a, wow. a normal car seat. So she had a lay down bed that went across two. It went across one side of the car and the middle. So she laid sideways in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Just, um, they didn't want the pressure on the spine to change. Wild. A lot, of, a lot of firsts. Before the podcast, you had told me, like, I think we were talking about my mom and the early intervention. We were winding back, right? Like, So you, you finally get Macy home, and now it's time for early intervention, right? And yeah. visitation from yep. my mom and, like there was like something that they would do with a, yeah. a yoga ball or something. Like, yeah. So what? we had, uh, I don't know exactly what they call it, but it's, she's a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. Her, her, her name's Kelly Poisson. Okay. Um, and she was from Adirondack helping hands. Adirondack helping hands. That's right. Yep. So the early intervention program is a collaboration of organizations in, in Clinton County. And your mom is like the coordinator. So she reaches out to all these necessary parties to get it, make it all come together. And uh, 
part of what Macy had to do was physical therapy. So they were trying to strengthen her core to ready her for her surgery. You gotta have abs, you know. It's a, yeah. Start them young. Yeah. So they would ro- they would roll her into like this yoga ball, and she would literally do like baby planks. And it, you wouldn't think it's possible, but if you just hold them by the hips and press them into the ball, they'll actually hold them. Try to like assist in holding themselves up. Natural reaction. Natural just... reaction, and it strengthens her core. And to be honest, they said in Boston that with her core as strong as it was, it was, you know, it was an asset to have her in that kind of shape and muscle strength before doing the correction. Yeah. Got it. So this was all like pre strengthening prep work for for her surgery yes yeah it was was great preventative care wow so for five months macy had a lot of physical therapy um we had your mom come in you know weekly and do the weight checks and make sure her weight was staying up and one other big thing that your mom did was uh they checked the circumference of the head Yes. A lot with kids with spina bifida because they don't want to see any herniation or mm-hmm. fluid buildup in around the brain. So yep. she checked her, Early on, measured her head weekly her. and did all that stuff to keep track of, you know, all the stuff we needed to know prior to her surgery. And then it came time for her surgery. Man. Um, Shelly Lee, legend. Yes, she was... She's pretty She's amazing. She's on speed dial for a while. <laughs> she was. <laughs> I hope she listens to this episode. It'll probably bring her a lot of joy. Um, so we it was came time for Macy surgery. Um, her surgery was on November third of two thousand fifteen, and it was definitely nerve wracking. Um, I have to say that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Was watch my child go through the intense surgery she had to have. Um, She was in surgery for what was only supposed to be two to two and a half hours. Um, Multiple hours later, we were like, okay, come on. This was only supposed to be two, two and a half hours. Here we are four or five hours in. What's going on? Um, that's when your mind starts thinking yeah, crazy things. When yeah. your mind starts thinking like, okay, is it worse than what he thought? Um, her, she had the best top-notch surgeon, um, Dr. Benjamin Wharf um, in Boston, was her neuroso- neurosurgeon. And he told us that we basically hit the jackpot, is what he told us when we yeah, first met with him. he actually said that. He told us that we had the worst case scenario, but the best case scenario. Wow. So that was kind of like, okay, what do you mean? We've got the worst case scenario, but the best case scenario. Um, and he told us that, you know, it was definitely a surgeon or surgery that he wanted to take on, one that he was excited to do. Um, but after her surgery, he told us 100% that uh, it was definitely a surgery that he didn't think was going to be as intense as it was. And that it ended up being even a little bit tricky for him to do. So. You forget about the phone call. The phone call. The phone call. We were in the waiting room and it was like five hours in. And remember, after our previous trips to Boston, I was finally hungry enough. Like I couldn't do anything at that time. And finally I got hungry enough to eat. And we went down to grab the uh, blue cheese bison burger that I used to eat all the time. And then all of a sudden we came back up. Because we were, like, looking at our watches. It was the longest, like, five and a half hours of my life. 
And uh, they came over and the phone was there and they were like, it's for you. So his resident who was in surgery, he told him to un, you know, go out of the OR and call me and Katie and let us know an update. So he did, letting us know that nothing's immediately wrong, but it was more detailed than what they originally had. You know, that's a classy move. That was classy. That's a sign of mm-hmm. a professional. Yeah. Wow. Just to let us know. To be in the middle of that and like recognize the importance of also keeping you in the loop. Yeah, it was really cool. Call that's and update impressive. the parents. So he kicked out his number one resident to go update us. Wow. And he had to go back in and rescrub. But uh, yeah, it was it was there was a large team present in the OR. Damn. That I didn't know of. I wish I got to thank all of them in one room. Yeah. But. I only knew because of the medical bills afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but each each department was there. Wow. Gastrology, neurology, urology. And uh, if anybody's wondering, the scientific term of what Macy had was, it's called a lipomyelomeningocele, which is a, it's a fancy term for spinal fluid-filled sac. Yep. You know, and she is missing part of the process bone in the S2. So it, it took a team to evaluate what she had and Mm -hmm. give us the best possible, you know, outcome. Flash forward today. I've, I've seen little Macy come out and help bell ring for rotary, uh, volunteering. And she looks like she's having a blast and you guys are doing a great job. She is. Yeah. She's, she's definitely doing really good. Um, she has her times and her moments. Um, in the outcome of Macy's surgery, uh, she could have been a lot worse off than what she is. Mm-hmm. And we try to remind ourselves and Macy of that daily. Um, she has 13% loss on her right side for her leg. Um, she will toe in a little bit if she's tired or has played too much. Um, she'll kind of limp a little bit but um she it's not too bad uh i would say for the most part the biggest thing is um about two years ago now we're going on our second year of having to fully cath um she lost all control of her bladder she has no function to it so um that's the major outcome from her defect is losing the control of her bladder neurogenic bladder yeah and she also may have what she has a they're not sure but they call it a floppy bladder so it doesn't have any tone so it just kind of moves around and takes shape that ours wouldn't Mm -hmm. but that enables uh you know different bacteria to form and things like that in places where ours won't because it doesn't ever fully empty so that it poses some uh, maintenance issues so at this point we're managing the kidney on both sides, especially her right side, because um, when we're half full, our body doesn't tell us it's time to go to the bathroom and urinate. Um, when Macy's half full, her pressure is double that of ours at full capacity. So she refluxes into, I think, acid reflux. Mm-hmm. Everybody's had that once in life. So it, it does the same thing into her right kidney. So we're protecting that right kidney for longevity. Um, because you only get a couple of shots at a possible bladder augmentation and you can't do it until they're fully grown, which Interesting. is sooner with a girl than a boy. From my limited understanding though, uh, most cases there, there's like major 
impairment to mobility or use of your legs from this type of situation, right? So the fact that she's only, what did you say, 13% Mm -hmm. of one leg? Yeah, the abductor, I think, was the Man, that is a jackpot. Yeah. It is. From my limited understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, when she's in a room full of children, you don't know she has anything. No. Hopefully she doesn't come back and listen to this podcast when she's a teenager and be like, Mom, Dad, I can't believe you told all my friends my bladders. No, Macy is. <laughs> she embraces she is, it. She invites she people in. That's the way she should be. I would. I would say she's but, the yeah. I want strongest her to be little girl. A little bit. Yeah, I know. Don't let it be a weakness. Let it be. And that's part what. Of yeah. You. And that's yeah. what we've tried to teach her. Um, she definitely has her days where she um will ask us like, "Why can't I pee like you?" Or why do I have to pee through a catheter? Well, I have to do this forever. When can I pee on a potty? Um, so well, which, she can. which she can with the catheter. But for a long time, we would measure her. Output. Yeah, we have we had yeah. to measure her output. So we um, they have medical bags that you yep. just like at the hospital that you collect the urine in, um, and that's how we would do it. So. She will have her days, but we always tell her, like, listen, is this is no, you know, it's no big deal. This is just how you go. And um, we read her a book a lot. She has become very attached to it. It's called Just Another Way to Go. And it basically tells her and shows her that the way she goes to the bathroom is just another way to go. It doesn't define who you are. That's awesome. And... It, it is. It's a really cool book um, that we got through the Spina Bifida Association. And um, I show Macy, we are, um, I'm part of the group um, Refining Spina Bifida. Mm-hmm. And every year they do a video of all of the different kinds of Spina Bifida and how it affects other people. And um, I make her watch that every year and show her like, look at this little boy has spina bifida, but he can't walk. He walks with a, a walker or this one walks with crutches. This one's in a wheelchair. Um, this one can't breathe or eat on its own. It's crazy. So we show her like, you're not the only one that has this. And yes, you can't pee on your own, but this is what these kids can't do. So just to let her know, like your case isn't that bad, Mace. You have bad days and you get down on yourself. But it could be so much worse than what it is. Mm. So I think we all do a really good job at trying to keep her positive about it and not let her feel like it's a bad thing. I want Macy to grow up being very comfortable with who she is and shout to the world, I have spina bifida and this is who I am. Look at how freaking awesome I am at everything exactly. I do. Yeah. So and awesome. I have to say at four years old, she's already doing it. She's... Well, she's right got the, blo- the Boston a- accent, too, she apparently. Does. She does. <laughs> yeah. She definitely she does. does. Oh, she's very, very fortunate for to have parents like you two that went through and continue to go through all that you've done. That's a major investment because, <clears throat> I mean, it seems like I know a lot of people that know them well or don't know them well. You know, it just seems like the world we live, it, it, the, the easy way out is n- – not the route you took, but it seems like a lot of people might try to take the easy way out in a variety of ways that could go, right? Like mm-hmm. so um she's very, very fortunate, that's for sure. I wanna transition a little bit though, because 
that's not the end of your story of gumption. And you're both looking at me and smiling, but you had mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago about uh, the medical bills. Yeah. And like, so there's a whole nother like chapter now, right? Macy's growing up. You're still raising Macy. You're teaching her all these great lessons, but there's also the, the layer of like, well, shit, I got to make money. I got to pay these bills right. and I got to find fulfillment for myself in a job. Right. right. So how, I guess <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, but I want to tee this up the right way. I, I'm just going to come out and say it. You guys are kicking ass with your own business that you own sparkle clean. And I admire that. Like you wouldn't believe. And so tell me, the backstory of Sparkle Clean and tell me each of your stories sort of leading up to the decision to run your own business. Cause you weren't, that's why I asked the question earlier in the podcast of what you were doing career wise, because you clearly, this was not your thing going into this whole experience. Right. So you want me to start or do you want to? You can. Okay. So at a young age, um, before I was 18 years old, um, my father was in the military, and when he did his, I think, second tour um, overseas during like uh, Operation Enduring Freedom and Southern Watch, he came home and he joined the fire department. Um, and I watched him as a kid, and I had the opportunity to become a fire explorer. And as soon as I turned 18 years old, I became an active firefighter in the local department, which is Dannemora. Um, became an emergency medical technician and started setting myself up for a career in public service. Um, progressively moved forward into managing a security company, North Country Community College. Did that for like four and a half years. Um, working right underneath the uh, director of campus and student life. Um, threw around the idea of obtaining a degree, but don't know why I passed, but I did. <laughs> I found myself at the home of the 1980 Winter Olympics. Um, Federal Correctional Institution at Raybrook, New York. And then um, after that, you know, I was like, well, this is what I do, right? Your public service. But when this took place, I knew I needed flexibility. And uh, on the side, I had always cleaned cars for guys I worked with, you know, cars and boats. And then... You did deta detailing work. Auto and boat yeah. detailing. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was legitimate. It was through the county. had a DBA and everything. It was sparkle clean detailing. And... That was the first company that I started in 2010. Um, and my family started a cleaning company in, in 1981 um, called Sparkle Clean, where they did residential and commercial cleaning, uh, not so much of the detailing. So it was an easy transition for me to, to explore that option. And uh, we started in the residential side and slowly, you know, ex exposed herself to the commercial market once we acquired equipment and I purchased some equipment um, and, you know, vehicles and got everything going. But it was, a, it was a big decision to leave behind what I had worked up to over the years. And uh, same thing for you. I mean, I'll let, let you have your side now. I mean, you started a little bit differently from where you ended up. 
Yep. Um, I was a dental assistant, which I absolutely loved. Call me crazy. Zach thinks I'm insane because I enjoyed <laughs> being in people's mouths. <laughs> um, oh, but- man. I, if I have one thing that just like like nails on a chalkboard for me, it's that GD like spinning drill sound thing from the <laughs> dentist's office. Oh, I can't handle it. When I was a little kid, I had I had a lot of cavities, and yep. shame on me. But all my adult teeth are are clean as could be. But I had a lot of cavities as a kid, so I had to <laughs> go through that. And maybe it was for the better because I got rid of all the junk baby teeth that I had, and then uh, learned my lesson and um, never have haven't had to experience that in a long time. But <laughs> going to the dentist is tough for me. Going to the dentist is really tough for me. I was I was an EMT, so I'm good with like the whole like body fluids and stuff like that. But I don't know what it is, but it's like the that stuff never stays in your mouth when you're at the dentist. <laughs> you know, I own a cleaning company, and I I put my hands in places people wish they never had to put their hands. But it's just and I, again, I was like an EMT. I mean, you never know what you're walking into, right? But it's yeah. just the whole everybody like grinding on saliva, teeth pieces flying. I, she, uh. she does it way better than I do. And I and I I I grind my teeth at night when I'm stressed. Yeah. So I also have that layer of why I hate the people poking at my teeth. They're sensitive. <laughs> well, anyhow, I, sorry, I totally derailed <laughs> no, your fine. your previous career here. But <laughs> it's very admirable. You were. Are dental you going to start yeah. from the beginning? You should start from the beginning. Like right out of high school. Oh, right from high school. Yeah, give them a a glimpse Um, of Katie. Out of high school, I worked, started working at um, CV Tech. I was a one-on-one there for three years. And then when they had all of their cuts, I um, fell into that. So I got laid off. Um, And at that time, I was like, okay, what? am I going to do with my life? I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up yet. So college was kind of like, I, why am I going to start if I don't know what I want to do? So I kind of put that on the back burner. And then I was kind of like thinking, you know, I kind of like the dental field. So um, I looked into that and I found a class, um, a course that I could take to become certified. So I started classes and I took that and became a certified dental assistant. I landed a job um, with High Peaks Dental and I worked there for five years, maybe six years. Absolutely loved it. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. It was a great place to work, great people to work for. Um, they taught me a lot. Um, Dr. Keldon and Dr. O'Connor were definitely my mentors. Um, I have, I have kind of have to say that they shaped me into somewhat of the person that I am today. Um, by watching them run their business and how they worked. And like I said, always pushing us to have a 10 year plan and knocking those things off of what our plans were and accomplishing them. So um, then when I found out I was pregnant for Macy, I was offered a position at the pediatric office for the lead assistant 
um, making a lot more money than I was. Very Bingo. hard decision. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. That's hard, but it yeah. It was. Very hard decision because I wasn't only leaving a job, I was leaving my family. Because mm. when I worked at High Peaks Dental, you weren't, it wasn't just your job, it was your family. Very family-oriented organization. So, and not just for me, but they accepted your entire family. I know what that's like. That's hard. That's so, a hard decision. Like every 4th of July, there was no question of what you were doing. Yeah. You were with... You're, you're, you're with the family. High Peaks crew over at Airborne. Wow. Or so. every, what is it, Thursday? We used to go to Iris's. Yep. Um, so it was a very hard decision, but I knew I was pregnant. I knew I was um, bringing a child into the world. And at that point, it was just a no-brainer. Uh, you know, it was a lot more money and a higher position. So that's what I did. It was professional development. Um. So I started working at the pediatric office and I worked there for seven months. Um, and then I was taken out of work due to, um, I developed high blood pressure during the pregnancy. Obviously I wasn't stressed at all. Um, <laughs> pretty routine pregnancy. That's yeah. what I heard. So, um, they took me out of work and they, um, at that point, you know, after we had Macy, I was told by her pediatrician in Boston, she, I chose to breastfeed Macy. She would not take a bottle um, and she was losing weight. So they told us like, listen, she can't go to daycare. She can't afford to lose any more weight. You need to be home with her. You really can't go back to work. Wow. Um. So at that time, Zach and I kind of looked at like, what do we need to do for the future? This isn't a situation that's going to go away. This is for life. So um, at that point, you know, like Zach said, he was doing the detailing part of the business and we just kind of brought it to where it is today um, and decided this is definitely, you know, a better family choice and decision and we can, you know, in the beginning, we started out slow and we could t- do what we needed to for Macy. And But Macy's doing a thousand times better and doesn't need the attention or the, what would you call it? She extra support yeah, and care. Right. She doesn't need the extra support now that she did when she was an infant. Yeah. So... She's pretty independent. She is. You know, and our, what our parents and grandparents have the opportunity to do with her is, is great as well. Because without that support network, I don't think we'd be able to make the decisions we've made. No, definitely not. Like I said earlier, our parents have always stood right by our side. And if Macy's not with us, she's with one of our parents. And they're caring for her and doing her needs and all of her stuff that she needs, you know, to get through the day. So it's a lot easier to, you know, be gone to work and know that she's, you know, she's with one of our parents and being taken care of and having exactly what she needs to be done on time. Yeah. And yeah, that's, uh, that's how we ended up bringing Sparkle Clean to the North Country. It's freaking wild, man. Look at that story. Jeez. I never heard of it from sitting on this side before because I'm always the one doing the talking but we finally got this one talking tonight 
This is excellent. Well, I, I'm super impressed with you guys and, and your story. So I want to ask you now that you're in it, you've been doing, you've been doing this business for a few years now. You, how many years now? So essentially 2010, but we relaunched, oh, wow. we formed the partnership in 2014. Mm-hmm. My, so yeah, you, this Technically, is, right? no. you're not, this is not a new business anymore. You guys have been at this for a while. I think it was 15. It was 2015. We formed the partnership. Mm-hmm. And you, and you've got, um, you do commercial and residential. We uh, do. You guys are, you're hiring people, you're growing. Yeah. What is the hardest part about running your business? So as far as we always we always have this thing like Katie and I we have a different management model I guess she works in the business and not to say that I don't because um, when I show up I still perform the work um, but Katie really does focus in the business and I I work on the business and in the future a little bit so I'm more of the the sales guy and the innovation and technical stuff and she keeps everything moving thanks to katie you can <laughs> you can go you can go play and explore with with new ideas pretty much and and she keeps the ship running yeah and i don't give her enough credit i don't think sometimes um <laughs> she's shaking her head the people listening you can't she's like <laughs> that was great <laughs> but yeah she uh she keeps everything going, and then um, I guess the hardest part I think in the beginning was with limited business exposure. Like when I would go down in the summer, my dad's parents started this company, like I said, in 1981, and my dad used to teach at West Point, um, not as a professor or anything. He's just a firearms instructor, and he, it's what he used to do for his reserves um, and in the National Guard. But I would get exposure to the company every time we would go back to his family. Yeah. So I got to see it. You know, I went out and worked with him. Um, and got to got to see the company firsthand, so I knew what I was getting into, but I didn't ever see the the need for you know marketing. You, you don't have to be a marketing manager. You don't have to be an accountant, but you have to know a little bit about each one of those things to put it all together, right? Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, before you can afford an accountant or you can realize how to use marketing material and you know have a business model and all those things, you got to teach yourself all those things which is something that's completely opposite of being public service because you're taught to be humble and introvert. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't talk about what you do, right? You know, you can't talk about your patients. You can't talk about what you do at work. You just you just keep quiet about it and do your job. Yeah. This is exactly the opposite in a way, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, mm-hmm. I found a different way to give back to the community with, by getting involved in ADKYP and genuinely enjoy it. You know, doing volunteer projects and stuff like that. What's the hardest part for running the business for you? Um, I would have to say sometimes trying to balance everything. Um, just like personal life and business life, um, I would say can be the hardest if you don't do it. You have to balance. Um, and then just with getting started the unknown of where is this going to go are we going to make it are we going to mm. you know secede um you've got I, some experience with conquering the unknown though exactly <laughs> and i think that's the it's the hunt or the uh the chase yes mm-hmm. that's my favorite part about my job 
I, I think that's what I've. It's the unknown. It's the, it's the yeah, the unknown. It's, it's you're in charge of your own destiny. Yeah. You really are. And I have to say, between Zach and I, we're both pretty determined people. And when we set our mind to something, it's going to get done. Yeah. So. It doesn't always get done the way it's supposed to. But it will eventually get there. I feel like there's going to be a lot of uh, younger professionals probably listening to this podcast episode. And I bet you, I bet you three quarters of them are, uh, whether they openly admit it or not wishing or thinking about starting a business of their own. I feel like that's just a very common theme amongst younger professionals at this point. Anyone, you know, thirties down to high school. I feel like that's what our generations wants to do. We want to own our own business. We want to be in charge of our own destiny. What kind of advice I'll ask each of you, would you give, uh, to a young professional listening, uh, when it comes to starting and running your own business? Well, I'd say, first of all, that not because I'm on the board of ADKYP, of course, but I think Plattsburgh is a great location to select. Um, 26th in the nation as far as micropolitan areas to embrace economic I saw strength that. and growth. That's pretty legit. Mm-hmm. We are in a higher ranking than we were, I believe it was a year or two ago. A year or two ago, it was in the 50s, I think. Now it's 20, number 27 in the entire United States. Yeah, I mean, Bozeman's number one. Yeah. But Bozeman's going to have a population that's going to put it in a different bracket. I don't think it's going to contend as Not well. micropolitan anymore. No. Yeah. So, I mean, we're we're kind of a suburb of Montreal. That's know? exactly what we are. I, when I describe where I live when I'm out on vacation and I'm way out of our zone, because people don't truly understand the geography of New York. Right. They're like, oh, upstate. Yeah, Poughkeepsie? No, <laughs> no, not no. at all. Wait, way, uh, up. way up. And I just started, it like clicked for me because Gary Douglas at the chamber always says this, you know, suburb of U.S., where Montreal's U.S. suburb. So I literally start saying that to people and they're like, oh, I understand where you are now. Yeah. But it's true. If you take any major city in the United States and you draw the mileage out for the radius of what their suburbs are considered – any major city, we are within that same distance of Montreal. Yeah. We are truly a suburb. They're U.S. suburb, but we are a, a suburb of Montreal. So, yeah, a little digression. but M- Manufacturing is booming here, too. Um, but, yeah, anything I would tell somebody that was about to start a company, I would say have fun with it, you know. Um, make, sure, make sure you do your homework, you know, and – one thing I see a lot of people do is they they want to start a company on on loans, and I don't think that's the mm. best way to do it, you know, because that's just to break even with your payment, you have to make that much every month just to break even. Interesting. So the least amount of output <clears throat> for the most amount of input, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. Yeah. So you're a big advocate of grassroots growth. Yeah. Live within your means and just do what you got to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to hit it. It's big. okay to have goals, yeah. But to, you know, keep them within, you know, attainable goals in the beginning, especially take mm. take steps. You know, crawl, walk, run. What would you say, Katie? Um, I would say to take your plans and run with them. Um, it's definitely nerve wracking. It's hard. It can be frustrating. And if you fail, you fail. 
but you'll never know unless you try. So just go for it. Failure doesn't best. mean your 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 idea is gone either. That's right. No, we have we have every company I think has wins and failures. Mm-hmm. Sometimes daily, weekly, monthly. It just depends. You know. You're gonna have highs and you're gonna have lows. And if you do it with your spouse, you gotta separate work and home. Mm. I always wondered that. I was like, complexity. I was like, it is. You guys are just working all. I keep saying, you guys, you both are, are working all the time. She does the balancing better than I do, because I have my my daughter, which is the best thing that ever happened to us. I think Um, we have our puppy. Yes. <laughs> oh Which is my our God! Your this puppy, man. Jeez, it's like they just bottled up cute you know, in a bottle and then it produced this puppy. It's but then like, we have wow. the business baby, so it becomes almost like another 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 child. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're always wanting to work on it, even when you're when you're at home, and sometimes your head's not in the right place. You gotta, yeah. you gotta check yourself a little bit because you can you can work yourself too much. Hmm. Yeah, you can. <laughs> See how she did that? <laughs> See that right there? The gumption in this story is just overflowing. It's like this whole the whole Sparkle Clean business has really been shaped by your experience through this whole this whole thing. I mean, you you would you would you be both co-owning and running Sparkle Clean if you didn't have your daughter? I feel like just because of who Zach and I are, we would have our own business in some way. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, would it have necessarily been a cleaning company? Maybe not. Zach- <laughs> He's shaking his head. Yes. <laughs> Zach is saying yes. Um, I feel like I said, I feel like we definitely would have had some kind of business. So I think obviously I was, you know, I was working in corrections and uh, if you talk to most, you know, correction officers and firefighters and, and cops, they, they all seem to have a side, a side hustle, you know, yep. and it's just, I think it's just the nature of the job because sometimes the job doesn't give you a whole lot of self-satisfaction. So there's a lot of carpenters out there, a lot of plumbers out there, you know, yep. skilled labor trades are popular, but a lot of, a lot of us have a side business and, uh, what what better side business than cleaning, right? I mean, it goes from super you're already bad doing to the cars, super so. awesome, you know, when you're done with it and you can see the work that you performed. Uh, and, you know, the boats and the cars was was an easy thing for me. Yeah. Because I had a passion for the process, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I always enjoyed cleaning. It takes a certain person and attention to detail to, to do it. It um, does. There's one other question I'd like to ask you uh, about Sparkle Clean, yeah, sure. but it's it's sort of this like backdrop of like you guys just, I mean you're working your tails off, but then you somehow managed while also raising your daughter and having all these other commitments in your life, you you managed to leverage your business's resources towards volunteerism and community service also. 
where did that come from? I mean, a lot of businesses, a lot of businesses in our region are also very philanthropic and they give their time and their money. But it seems like you guys put that as like a major priority of your business. Where did that come from? And yeah, talk about that. Um, I would say for me, where that came from, um, when we had Macy, we had a lot of people reach out to us, um, asking us if we they could start a GoFundMe page or do benefit dinners. Um, Zach and I are very humble people, so we kindly declined that. But our family... You too? Humble? <laughs> no. <laughs> our families and our friends came together and donated money and food and did what they could for us for, you know, a couple of months after Macy came home. And that's... The only, I, being in that position and being that person that needed that help um zach and i would have never been able to make it without the help of our family and our friends Mm. so being on the end of somebody that needed to receive that i just feel like if i can give back in any way i would like to so if there is a volunteer job or somebody that's in need or something that we can do to give back to the community i'm always on top of doing it it's that's always going to be my first top priority um if i can give back i'm going to and i think for zach he it also falls into that category but he also did a lot of volunteer firefighting so i think Mm. that's where he comes in and i'll let you talk about that yeah i mean like i said i'd set myself up for a career in public service but being in the fire department at like 18 years old when you start that young it almost becomes automatic and I'm a firm believer in I think everybody in this country should either have to either serve their country in a, in a, in a way. If it, the military is not for you, it's not for you. I, sh- I almost went in the military. The reason I didn't go in the military is because I met her when I was 17. Mm-hmm. Or actually, correction, 15. Um, I was going to enlist at 17. And I asked her if she would kindly go with me. And uh, she said she would. But I could tell she didn't want to. Mm. Um so I found a different way to try to serve, I guess. And, you know, the fire department and working my way up into a public service career was that. Um, but when you're having, you know, a family dinner at your house and a structure fire and ambulance call goes out, you, you quietly you stand up and you leave and you go take care of it because it's, it's I feel like it's your obligation. Obviously, mm-hmm. if it's a once a year thing, there's other people who are going to go. But that's somebody's grandmother. That's somebody's mother. It's somebody's baby. Yeah. You should show up, right? It's, it, you feel like you're obligated. And uh, that feeling kind of left when I transitioned, you know. So the, the transition for me was a little bit more difficult because that um, sense of purpose wasn't there. Although I was growing a company, it was it was completely different from, you know, being held to a higher standard or, you know, having a call of duty to the community or serving a community. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was fulfilling that. There was definitely a void there. So I tried to find a way to give back. That was the day. I remember this vividly. I don't remember a lot of moments very vividly. And this isn't, I'm not trying to, like, boost you guys up more than you need to be. But, like... (laughs) When I was at Twisted Carrot and we had that 80 KYP event, yeah, 
and I really, we really connected as like potential friends and network and all of that. And we talked about rotary. That was a good turnout. That was the moment that I vividly remember it clicking for me that you two were very, very serious about giving back to your community. And I don't know how to describe this, but you can tell like oftentimes if someone says, yeah, I want to volunteer. I want to give my time. It's kind of like, what's your, what's your MO, right? Like, like I, I value that. And like, I appreciate that you want to give your time. Like, let's do it. You know, like let's, let's really do it. But the number of times I've, I've had that experience with somebody and then it's like something comes up and you call them or you know, and no, yeah. yeah. Where, where are you? You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And I know we're all busy and all that sort of thing, but for whatever reason, that moment really sticks out to me that I could tell. I don't know what how to pin it, pinpoint it, what it was, but I I can tell, and I'm sure you both can tell when someone's serious about yeah. giving back. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the moment I knew we were going to be friends. Yeah, I knew I knew pretty early on that we had a we had a lot to talk about. Yeah, you know, you can you can just feel it with certain people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and actually, um, for for a while that pop up at Twisted Carrot. Before the pop up, we Twisted Carrot was closed, and I went and and cleaned the windows and the granite out front before our pop up, just cause. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I was working in the area, and I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna do that, just because I wanted them to look good. And uh, our organization to have a you know yeah you know a, a, a way to event. say thank you mm-hmm. you know for for letting us hold the event there because I mean essentially we we overran their dining space that that evening yeah they they couldn't have too many <laughs> actual like yeah dinner spots because yeah. we took over yeah it was a small it was a small thank you really yeah is all it was well man this has been a great conversation I'm sure we'll we'll talk more offline about all of this because this has been this has been good. But I'd like to pivot towards the close of this sucker. And you know what's coming. I'm about to hit you I'm with it. I'm a listener, so I'm I know a, a little bit about okay, what's coming. I'm hitting you with it. And I'm hitting you both with it. You each are responsible for your own answers. The infamous Stories of Gumption podcast rapid fire section. Are you ready? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm hamming this up, but I think I, I bet you guys are going to give me some good uh, answers here. Uh, Katie first for the first question, but I'm going to read the question first. Number one, what's your favorite movie and why? Uh, this is a funny one. Okay. So my ultimate favorite movie that I could watch over and over again is Pretty Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because nice. Julia Robert is one of my favorite actress. And I don't know her personally, obviously, but I feel like in every movie she plays in, she's just a very strong character. And I like that. So that's my favorite movie. I can I can definitely appreciate that answer. What about you? You got a good movie over there? Man, there's a lot. There's a lot of good movies out there. You know, <laughs> obviously every every firefighting movie I've ever watched has got to be my favorite for a while. So you know, typical okay. typical backdraft ladder forty nine. But <laughs> if I had to pick, I would say I just watched a movie. It was called Charged. 
It's about a gentleman by the name of uh, Eduardo Garcia. And uh, charged. Yeah. The heck is charged. So he, essentially, he's a uh, he's on a backcountry hunting trip and came up on a deceased bear and thought that well, it's unfortunate this bear went to waste and went to go touch it to cape it out. And yep. When he did, he was electrocuted because the bear had, I guess, bit a electrical box in the middle of like power lines in the middle of the backcountry. And uh, it took a lot of gumption to get to where he is today. Wow. It's like his recovery story, basically. Wow. Watch it. It's on. It's on. Um, Charged. What is that? Prime? Amazon if you have Prime? Prime, it's on there. Okay. I like it. Question number two. Zach, you're first this time. What's a piece of advice that you would give to your 18-year-old self if you could go back? Knowing what you know now, what would you? What was a piece of advice you'd give to your 18-year-old self? I would... There's a lot of advice I'd give myself, <laughs> to be honest. You'd sit down with a drink and talk for three hours, right? I'd, I'd sit down and, and talk, talk about it, but um, one piece of advice would say is uh you know slow down travel more ah interesting you know i was pretty uh pretty big into like adrenaline junkie mm-hmm. <laughs> type stuff when i was a kid and if i would just slowed down a little bit i think it would have helped mm. i like it katie um i agree with zach i'd say there's a lot that i would tell myself but um, one of the main things is just to hold on tight because nothing is going to go as planned. But it's all going to work out in the end. So it's mm. okay. I like that. I like that. Uh, question number three. You notice the pattern here. Katie, you're first. Okay. If you could go back and meet one historical figure, any historical figure, who would you want to meet and why would you want to meet that particular person? Um, mine would be Princess Diana. Oh, interesting. Why? Um, one, I have a high interest in the royal family. Um, but she was a woman um, that had an amazing drive to give. And she was a very careless woman. And she... Um, always did random acts of kindness with no expectation of receiving anything back. Mm. And as we discussed, I highly believe in that. So yeah, definitely her slight dig. I, I respect that answer also, but what slight di- digression, have you ever had a chance to go to London? Like, it sounds like that's something I you haven't, need. but I definitely will. You, you, ne- you need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's on my list. I was very, very lucky, privileged, fortunate, all those words and and more uh, to be able to go to London with my wife, Lauren, uh, la- was it last year? Maybe a year and a half ago. But uh, some sponsored trip, you know, and we got to go for a lot less than if you just went on your own. But we saw the crown jewels. <laughs> I could see that she's like, oh man, we saw the London Tower, we saw all that cool stuff. Yeah, you gotta go, you gotta go. I when we went, uh, we had to pay, you know, full price for a lot of things, but we got a couple things um, taken care of. But uh, the flight when we went round trip, 
400-something dollars. So you keep your eyes out. Like That's awesome. It's actually cheaper depending on when you go, if you can plan it out. Uh, to go to Europe sometimes, go to London, yeah, then then freaking driving to Maine or going out west in the so yeah, you should do it. Definitely I like it. Prince my plans for the Prince future. It, the food, oh, fish and chips with a Guinness, man. I know Guinness is not a London beer, but like you have to have Guinness uh, in the United Kingdom because on tap there Guinness, it tastes way better than any of the crap we have here. Really? It's oh yeah. Because it's the authentic thing. They haven't put all these preservatives in it to get it overseas and let right. it have a good shelf life in America because that's what Americans care about is shelf life. Yep. You know, profits over there. They just make Guinness to taste good. Huh. Anyhow, <laughs> I digress. Princess Diana, I like that answer. What about you? Which his, uh, Zach, which historical figure would you go back and meet if you could and why? There's, there's a lot of them, but the one that stands out the most to me, I think, would be... Uh, Theodore uh, Teddy Roosevelt, you know? Mm. Um, Somehow I knew you were going to say that. I don't know why. If it's because you have a beard right now and I'm looking at you and I'm like, ah, oh, he's going to say freaking Teddy Roosevelt. Well, no. It's, <laughs> for, for me, the reason why is um, he, he laid the foundational blocks of the American conservation model. Yeah. And obviously, you know, um, being a BHA member and, and volunteer coordinator for them is, um, I believe, highly in conservation and, mm-hmm. you know, the use of public lands. and Yeah. Although he gets the most credit, um, there's a lot of other great presidents. Um, sure. Fun fact, Barack Obama actually put aside the most federal land of any president. I actually knew that. Yeah. Um, it, it surprised me when I read it, to be I'm honest. Glad he, I'm glad he did that. Um, I said, you're, you got a beard, but I should clarify my statement. I was really focusing on, on your T-shirt, which is very outdoorsy, and Theodore had a bomb mustache and you you gotta you you, that is a sweet shirt it's too bad we can't put that in the podcast somehow but he's got a pretty sweet uh outdoorsy t-shirt it just characterizes characterizes his whole persona in this moment teddy yeah i I need need to do the mustache she's not gonna this is supposed to be rapid fire and it's like the biggest digression of the whole episode but anyhow (laughs) okay fire away question number four i'll behave (laughs) I'm going back to Zach now first. If you can only have one more meal, that's it. You get one more. That's it. It's kind of morbid, but I'm basically asking you what your favorite meal is ever. Three course or single course? You can have three course. Have fun with this question. But you only get one more, so tell me what it's going to be. Okay. I would guess uh, Let's see, shepherd's pie, the way my grandmother used to make it, which is unique in itself. Um, I've been told it's a, it's a collaboration of, um, Irish and French. They call it a pate chinois, I guess, up in Montreal, which is a translation of Chinese pie. This cultured dude over here. Man. But, um, <laughs> she's over here shaking her head. Um, but yeah, it's, my grandmother made it with, uh, potatoes, uh, peas, carrots, mm. ground meat, but she put a pie crust on top of it. Ooh, there you so go. It's a little different. Um very good she makes it with cream corn too and uh triple berry scone on the end it's probably one of my favorite things that does sound good geez you know how to make that yeah all of it oh man i'm coming i'm, over I'm a closet sometime. i'm a closet cook i'm coming over sometime and you're making closet that for cook. me ask katie <laughs> how, how was our weekends babe he loves to bake 
Really? Yeah. Here we go on another digression, Zach. Jeez. <laughs> I told you I was trying to behave. She did it. I love to cook, but I can't bake at all. Like, I, I lose excitement and focus when you have to get super precise with all the measurements. I just want to throw stuff in and, like, feel it. You know, I want to just be in the moment and just, like, cook and let it be what it's going to be. And it doesn't have to be the same every time. Baking, everything I've tried to bake comes out terrible. <laughs> Then Lauren, my wife, gets involved, and everything comes out amazing. She's like the best baker I've ever met. That's good. It's compliment. It balances. Yeah, it balances, man. It does. Hmm. My last meal. I would have to say chicken Alfredo and blueberry pie. Chicken Alfredo. (laughs) I knew she was going to say chicken Alfredo. You did? Yeah. (laughs) It's like you're married or something. That's what I order every time we go Okay. All right, can I take another digression? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this is so good. Uh, do you ever watch The Office? Did no, you ever I, watch I The have. Office? I have. Okay. I've seen it. Well, whether you've seen it or not, and all the Office fans listening are going to love this moment, but every time I think of Chicken Alfredo, <laughs> I, always, <laughs> I always think of the uh, – there's an episode where Michael Scott, the Steve Carell character, he's the boss of the branch, right? He, he thinks it's a great idea to put together a uh, fun, a charity 5K for the office. And he makes everybody run. Everybody's got to run, but he, like, tees it up like he's going to win it, right? right? And so him and uh, Dwight, like the kind of dorky guy in the office, he, um, everybody knows Dwight who's watched the show. Uh, they think it's a great idea for him to carb load literally, like, five minutes before the 5K. And he eats an entire, like, tray of chicken alfredo that's coming out (laughs) so you can see where this goes but like every time i think of chicken alfredo so tasty by the way i respect your choice but it's not a good carb load no No. (laughs) he needs to look up definitely he takes off off for the 5k and he's way out in front of everybody and he's just like i'm so fast i'm so fast and then it like shows him like laying on the ground crying later people are passing him just walking so all good things must come to an end all good things must come to an end yeah Okay, I'm not going to digress with this last question. Rapid fire, the last one. You ready? Ready. This is my favorite question in the entire podcast. All the episodes I've done, I love asking this of everybody. If we could put together a three-person board of directors to guide and mentor you through the rest of your life, they can be alive, deceased, famous or not, but who would you pick? to be your personal three board of directors and why? Hmm. Okay. So my first one would be my grandmother. Um, she was a very strong, smart, and talented woman. And mm. she always seemed to have the right answer. She taught me a lot. So definitely her. Um, my second one would be Dr. William Calden, who mm. I spoke about earlier. Yep. Like I said, I feel like he really formed me into part of the person I am today and um, the direction I go with our business. Um, he pushed me to do things that I wouldn't have normally done or, like I said, come up with a 10-year plan because that was definitely not anything that I 
wanted to think about. I want to live in the future. Why or now the present? Why do I want to plan for ten years from now? Yeah. Um. So definitely him because he has taught me a lot. He's written multiple books. Um, and is a really well um put together business owner himself. So my third, hmm. Well, he's kind of already on my board, but I would have to say definitely Zach because mm. he pushes me to be a better person, um, to step out of my comfort zone, kind of like doing this podcast. <laughs> um, and he shows me different things every day. Um, his will for wanting to run a business and do better being a business owner, um, making it grow and just all around makes me want to be a better person. So I would have to say those are my three people. That's an impressive board of directors. Well chosen. Good reasons too. I like it. Zach, it's your turn, buddy. So this is kind of a hard question for me because there's, there's a lot of people, like you said, you know, alive, deceased, famous or not. Mm -hmm. So obviously you always think when you're young, you know, I always appreciated family time, but I guess as I got older, I found an interest in like my ancestry. So I wish I could go back and ask a lot of my family members some questions I never had the opportunity to mm. or the intelligence to, or, you know, emotional maturity, if you will, um, to ask those questions when I was younger, because I can't ask them anymore. Um, but one person that had a good uh, impact on who I am, I think it would be my grandfather, Jack Murphy. Um, real name was John. It's my mom's father. Spent a lot of time together growing up. Um, he taught me to golf. Um, and uh, he just a great support network. Um, he's also a salesman who makes me the face-to-face, -face, you know, business owner I am today. I still choose to avoid, you know, email communication and walk up and shake a hand if possible. Um, you know, and the second person I think would be, um, his name's Pierre Bellon. Um, he's the owner of Sodexo, which mm, I don't know. Interesting. If, if you're not in our segment, you probably won't know what that is, but that's it. It's an integrated facilities management company. I used to contract, if it's the same Sodexo I'm thinking of, we, and maybe I'm off, but we used to contract when I was a camp director with Sodexo. It's possible because they are in like. For our kitchen facilities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Facilities made, uh, and food service. Food service. Reception. Segment. Concierge. Yep. Security. Yep. They would. They would provide two uh, trained, uh, certified, you know, medical to food skill yep. chefs for our summer camp. Yeah. That's it. I know exactly what you're talking about. I admire their ability to articulate within the, you know, service industry, and then be as successful as they are. Um, they're much larger than I ever anticipate to be. Um, but it's a goal, right? Yeah. You know, but I still want to keep that family run business touch, mm -hmm. if you will. But, uh, then obviously my support network, because without it, you know, it's hard to pick just one person, but I would say that my wife is probably the, the biggest supporter I have. Cause if you truly do marry your best friend, um, it's hard to, it's hard, it's hard to be in business with anybody else other than your best friend, right? Yeah. You gotta spend so much freaking time together. You have to love each other. <laughs> you truly do. 
And like that's the thing. Like everybody always says that about us because we did we did meet when we were 15 years old. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are like, how do you do that? How do you work together? Yeah. There, you have to. I think we're just so used to being together than we are apart. being apart. Yeah. Don't go to bed angry. Get it done. No, you're get right. It, get it done. I met uh, my <laughs> wife, Lauren, when uh, we were both in high school. She was 15. Yeah. I was a little older. But, yeah. But, no, I know I can actually relate exactly what you're talking about. It's also interesting to draw slight parallels between your board of directors. You both chose each other as number three. You both chose, like, a professional uh, mentor similar to what you're both – the roles you both have taken in your company. Like, you took your your mentor from uh, High Peaks mm -hmm. Dental – which is very similar to what you're like doing for Sparkle Clean, and you taking the big picture guy from Sodexo, which is very similar to what you're doing, and then you both chose a grandparent. Yeah, I think it's I like think you are married or something, or best <laughs> and best friends at the same time. It's like, it's like you're linked. That's awesome. It's part of not forget where you came from. Yeah, and where you're going, I think, mm -hmm. and then the support system along the way. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't That's, even realize she wouldn't tell me hers before we got here today. You know, I asked her. <laughs> she well done. Tell me. Well done. Well, you did phenomenal. You did phenomenal. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been. I have a lot of favorites from doing this, but this might be up there. This might be one of them. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I want to give you each an opportunity to do a thirty-second send-off message to the listeners if you have one. You have something you'd like to say? It's like a yeah, sure. I mean, even even I, you know, after all you guys do, I give you thirty seconds to let people know how they can get in touch with you for your business. Yeah, sure. Um, you can find us on Facebook at uh, Sparkle Clean No Hyphens um, or www.spar-kil-klen, um, and I guess we're out Instagram. Mm -hmm. Find us on Instagram at Sparkle Clean. Um, but on a serious note, um, I don't know. What else? Do you have anything else to add? Um, I'd like to thank our family, for one, for being supportive um, of our decision to own our own business and helping us grow to where we are today. Um, our amazing staff, we wouldn't be able to be here tonight without them. Um, and all of the help that they give us. And I'd like to thank all of our clients. They know who they are um, for trusting us with their facilities, their home, and letting us provide them with the best service that we can give them. Don't forget about ADKYP. Yes, <laughs> the amazing family of ADKYP that we have <laughs> brought on to um, our lives. I may be retired, but I'm still I'm like I'm like the grandpa of ADKYP right now. I'm I'm proud to be definitely grand. amazing group. You should come <laughs> out to our next event. Yeah, actually, it's coming up. Speed Networking. Check out ADKYP on their Facebook page. That's the best way to go. Yeah, Adirondack Young Professionals. Well, kudos to you both. You've gone through quite a bit, and you've turned it into quite a bit of success. I would say. So with that. Thank you. Yeah. 
I appreciate it. <laughs> you, know, you know me, I like to talk anytime. So yeah. With or without a microphone, I guess. I love it. I love it. Hey, and for all the listeners, thanks for hanging in there. Three people only hanging out with uh, two microphones here. I got to get a third microphone and, and get this set up a little bit better. But thanks for listening in. This has been another episode of the Stories of Gumption podcast, conversations with entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and just in my opinion, really, really impressive people. Thanks again. Take care.